Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word, God. Let us be sensitive to your voice in this hour, God. Father, don't ever let us not hear your voice, God. Second guess your voice, Father. Father, anoint us tonight, God. Rest on us, Father. Oh, Mashara. Thank you, Father. You are so good. The name of my message tonight is called An End Times Word. And I'll, as I get going, I'll show you why it's called that. But I want to talk about um, some revelation God gave me, some stuff about false humility, and about how important it is that like, we're so sure about God's voice in the end times because that's all we're really going to have. Because they might not even outlaw the Bible, but we're gonna, there's going to be so much witchcraft, and we've got to be so tuned in. Shane preached about it in Brazil two weeks ago, and God's been giving me some more about it. But with false humility, God was showing me like that's such a big thing for the end times church. And it works in two ways. One way is like the religious false humility. You know, when the, the guy, he gives all the stuff to the homeless on outreach and then he wants everyone to see it, but then says like, oh no, glory to God. Like that kind of false humility. And there's also another kind where it's kind of like this thing where we don't feel worthy of what our calling is. Or we're, it's kind of like out of fear more like we're like, we don't feel worthy for our calling and we let the devil kind of talk to us about our past or little things like that. And like, no, you, you can't really do that. You're not ready for that. And so we kind of like, you know, get some kind of humility going, but it's, it's the wrong kind. And it's really out of fear because of some of us, we know what God is calling us to. And um, <clears throat> God really wants to pull it out of my heart, pull it out of everyone's heart for what's coming, because we don't want to have any of those things thinking of, you know, that's what they tried to tell Jesus. It was kind of like they tried to get him in false humility when they told him, oh, aren't you the carpenter kind of thing? Try to put him under witchcraft, like, oh, you're right. And the devil will tell us that, or people around us, our family will tell us that, like, who do you think you are that you're going to walk in this? You're You're the landscaper. Come on, come back to reality. And God wants us to really rip that thing out of us so that we can walk fully in what's coming in the season to come. So, I want to get into um, this thing in Matthew 24. I actually said it before a couple Sundays ago when Joe preached. I was so excited that God gave me some fresh revelation, but then he really wanted me to bring it together right now and um, break it down again. It's from um, Matthew... 24 starts in verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And what Jesus is pretty much saying there is when the mountains, like the systems of this world, have full control of everything. And we're, like, we're going to kind of like be sucked in because the beast, you can't escape the beast system. And really it's when the bride's going to go to war with the beast system. I'll say, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. 
And since we're a house of God, all of us individually, it's talking about people who have their foundation laid, the whole house is established, they're standing on top, they have a viewpoint of everything that's going on, but there's going to be so much witchcraft and second guessing, and that's why God, or Jesus said right here, he says, don't go come down to the house to take anything out of it, because people are going to start second guessing it, like, is this it? Am I ready for this? They're going to try to go back down to where they were previously out of the witchcraft. In the, and Jesus is like, no, you're ready. Keep going. Then verse 17, he says, let him, oh, verse 18, neither let him, which is in the field, return back to take his clothes. Again, this is someone who's walking in their calling, they're working in the field. And Jesus says, when I come back, will I find you doing? This is someone who's doing. They're in the field. They're walking in their calling. Again, he's warning these people, the ones who are ready, the ones who have oil. He's like, stick with it. Don't second guess. Stay with the plan. Do not go back. And then he, then he says some woe unto some people. He says, woe unto them that are with child. These are the people that are on the fence, the ones that know about Jesus, but they've never been born again. Then he says, and to them that give suck in those days. And that's for the people who are living off the milk and giving the milk. Woe unto them because they're not even going to know it's witchcraft. And we can see elements that are going on in the world right now. It's, I don't have to say exactly what it is, but we know it's like obvious. Like, why are you subscribing to that fear of the world? Like, those people, it's like, whew, they're living off the milk. And you, you talk to them, you're like... It's like what God said the other day. It's like, man, they speak a different language. And then in verse 20, Jesus says, But pray ye that your flight not be in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. And then God was showing me because I was wondering about this. I'm like, God, half the world's in winter at any given time. So, I mean, like, since when are you bound by elements? Or, you know, we're going to be this end time church walking in miracles, but it's like, oh, it's 30 degrees outside. Then God was showing me it's about, it's another woe word. Pray that you're not in the winter. Pray that you're not in a cold season again so that you don't, so that you can see what's going on because so many people are going to slowly get blinded. And this is, it's all about having the oil to know what's going on, what's going on in the season. And then he says, neither on the Sabbath day. And he's talking about people don't get caught up in, in religion. And there's a lot of people. A lot of cessationists out there, I've noticed, they're kind of the only ones else that are very bold and they can kind of see what's going on, but they don't have like the, the relationship with the voice because it's going to take a whole lot more than theology to get through these times. Like you can know the truth and be bold about it, but you're going to need a, something fresh coming in. And that's why God was showing me about this Matthew 24, I'll say in a minute. And then verse 21, it says, For then shall be great tribulations, such as was not since the beginning of the world, this time, nor ever shall be. And then I was so excited when God showed me this. And I said, I was like, God, have you ever broke this down before? Have you ever revealed this before? He's like, no, because this is an end times word. And I'm not saying I was the only person he showed it to, but he was saying like he was saving this for this time. And I can, you know, when I, when I was getting this from God, you can feel like the religious people with their stones are like, what do you mean you're getting a fresh revelation? Like, who do you think you are? That's like, then they can start playing on my mind, like false humility. Who do you think you are to get this, this fresh word? But then I was thinking, Jesus reveals himself to who he wants to, because in the Bible, he revealed himself to the Samaritan woman, 
and she had all kinds of sins, five ex-husbands. And you can kind of, you can bet the Pharisees when they heard her testimony, like, oh my goodness, I just met Jesus. I think it was at the well. And they'd be like, oh, the Samaritan woman? Yeah, right, you're not holy enough. You don't really know the scriptures. Jesus didn't reveal them. So she's like, that the Messiah is here. And this isn't the Bible, but you can feel what's going on. And it's the same thing now because people are going to start to doubt the people that are moving in this true, like Elijah anointing the spirit of Elijah. Like, who does this person think they are to be able to say this kind of stuff? Who are they to have fresh revelation? Like, no, that's, they're not qualified enough for that. <clears throat> and so then I want to jump into, this will be a short word, but I want to jump into, um, well, I don't have to go to it, King 17. This is all about Elijah, Jezebel, Ahab, and the natural. And um, I mean, the best revelation I think I ever got at Hot was when I learned that the Old Testament was everything that's in the natural is, is a spiritual translation to where we are now or to the end times. So everything with Elijah, Jezebel, Ahab, that whole story in the natural represents everything that we're going to face as it's coming, but it's all spiritual. And um, so the story goes, you know, Ahab marries Jezebel. Jezebel's not from Israel. And you know, I was reading through it. I didn't read the whole book, but I never saw God ever say anything about how mad he was at Jezebel or how evil Jezebel was in terms of, he was more angry. He said, Ahab, he's never had more anger against any king than Ahab. He put all the blame on Ahab for allowing it. And that's what really, because God was showing me what it all represents, because Jezebel's the world, Ahab is the church, and Elijah's like the remnant, like the presence of God. It's his voice coming to say, hey, this is the truth. And Jezebel's whispering in Ahab's ear, but Ahab's the one with the authority to do something about it, but he didn't do anything like and Jezebel you know gets the blame for a lot of it but it's all Ahab and so Elijah told Ahab about the famine that was to come and Elijah gets fed throughout the whole famine by miraculous getting fed by the raven fresh water at the brook and it wasn't because Elijah had this great theology, or he knew everything. It was because he knew the voice of God. He didn't get caught in the witchcraft. It's like, here comes the famine, and, I'm, and God said, I'm going to feed you with the raven. Like, he didn't go, well, the raven's a dirty bird. That's not allowed. That's kind of preposterous, God. That's kind of, no, I think I should just stay in the city. That makes more sense. Like, he's like, boom, God's going to feed me by the raven. Got the water by the brook. I'm set. And then while he was out there, God also gave, told him to go to the widow woman. And then God was showing me all this, what it represented too. And this is like the message for the church. Like the widow, she got reconciled back to God because she was willing to have, make a dwelling place for Elijah. It wasn't just, here comes Elijah, you know, and, but she, was, she said yes to him, like, yes, to everything he asked. She said yes. Then his son died, or her son died, and Elijah revived it. And, you know, we, we know about the orphan and the widow, and the voice of Elijah is going to bring the sons back to the father. And we're supposed to, you know, 
bring the widow and the son back to the father and to the husband. And that's, that's what Elijah did. And it was all a representation because the widow had the heart for it. You know, she, when he brought her son back to life, the widow said, wow, you surely came from the Lord. Like it was like, boom, she was ready for it. And that's pretty much the whole of my message, but just how important it is for us too, who are even under the anointing to like get rid of all false humility in our head of anything that's telling us to come against our calling or any of the crazy, crazy, what God says isn't crazy, but it seems to our flesh of what we might have to go through and what could be in the end times. And that's why God told me to call it an end times word because there's fresh things that are going to start pouring out because we know to those who like can see what's going on, it is like the hour of Elijah. Amen. Amen.